Hi. Good morning. I'm Hannah, and I'm the pastor here, and I am so, so glad that each and every one of you, exactly who you are, wherever you came from, and wherever you are going today, are here. If you are the praying kind, I would ask you to pray with me. God, God of mercy and God of extraordinary miracles and big things and small things too, be with us today in our hearts, our mouths, our minds, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you and be yours. And in the moments when they aren't, help us to start over again tomorrow because you are the king of starting over, of second chances and of glory. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's this feeling this feeling I get um, when I come in from the cold, most of y'all are probably Chicagoans, so you may know it too, <laughs> where uh, you've been outside and it's freezing and the wind has gone against your face and the snow has gone into your bones so much that you're just numb. And you get home, right? And you get home and you know that it's warm and you wrap yourself up in the blanket or you stand next to the fire that is real fire and not fire of light made not to burn us down. And you, you stand next to it and you know that you're not going to be cold anymore. <laughs> but all of a sudden, um, before you get really warm, there's this moment where it's like your bones are on fire. You know that feeling? It's like, it, it's, like it's happened too fast. <laughs> your body's not used to it. The cold has started to go away, but you're so in shock. Your body doesn't know how to handle it, and you're lit on fire like lightning before just as suddenly it goes away again, and then you're really, truly, totally warm. I think about that feeling a lot. I think about that feeling a lot because I've had it in so many ways. In my body when I came out of the cold, in my soul when I've come out of wilderness and darkness times, there's often a time like that where everything's on fire before it gets better. And, and I think about that feeling because that's one of the feelings, that's one of the ways that I know that resurrection is real because <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. And I think about it because I think it must have been something like what these moments were like for the two Marys when they went to that tomb that Sunday morning to find the Jesus who they had followed in life for so long. That moment where the angel comes down and it's like lightning and bright and it's so frightening that it shocks the guards, right? The guards who have been paid by the government to make sure that the disciples don't come steal the body of Jesus. It makes the guards unable to move forward. They are so afraid. Unable to speak. They have fainted. It's so shocking and scary. But the Marys, the Marys can still speak. They can still move because as shocking as it is, that lightning bolt, as amazing, they know, they know that true warmth is coming. Because here's the thing about Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of James and Joseph and probably Jesus. This is probably Mary, mother of Jesus. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. It gets a little tricky. Um, here's the thing about those two Marys is when Jesus talked 
I think they listened to Juan Pablo's mom. When Jesus talked, uh, they actually believed him. <laughs> when Jesus, before he died, said, in three days I will be risen, they are the two who thought, okay, in three days he will be risen. And they showed up. That's why they wait the Sabbath, right? That's why they show up early in, uh, well, either early in the morning or late at night, a little bit confusing, um, to tell what they meant by the end of Sabbath. But, but they're there because they believed. They were the only two who believed. The rest are too scared, too afraid, too afraid of what might happen to them at the hands of the persecutors or just at the hands of the angry. But they really believe, and so they're not surprised when the angel shows up. They know that something is coming. I've wondered if that's why uh, Jesus comes to tell them basically the exact same thing that the angel told them, right? Like, Jesus' message is a little bit redundant. The angel said, go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Jesus says, go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee because I'm going to appear to them and tell them what their mission is. Um, I think that maybe Jesus appears suddenly, it says, the way that God so often does in our lives um, because he knew they had been faithful. <laughs> And he wanted them to see him for themselves and know, right, and know what their faith meant. And here's the thing about Mary and Mary. Their faith doesn't just allow them to not be shocked into silence by things that we may never have seen or may yet never experience. It allows them to be there on Friday. They're also the only two, or maybe a few other women, they're also the only ones who were there when Jesus died who were there for those hours when he was in pain and when he was suffering, who were there and saw it through as hard as it must have been for them and for him, the fact that they really believe in resurrection allows them to take risks that others are too scared to take, allows them to move forward in ways that others are too frightened to move, and it allows them to live through and be there and witness the worst of what the world has to offer because they know, they know it will be followed by the best. This is what the resurrection does. I think we get confused. I think we get confused about what the resurrection is. Maybe it's because so many of us can't make it to Good Friday services, right? So we just jump from Palm to Easter. We get confused and we think that resurrection is a reversal, right? That what Jesus is doing is basically playing Super Mario and like starting the level over again, right? Oh, I died. I fell in the thing. But now start it over. It's all from step one, from zero. Um, but it's not. It's not a reversal. Jesus, by coming back, hasn't erased everything that happened to him. He hasn't erased everything that he did. He hasn't erased all of the messy, mucky awfulness that the world can be. He has made it into something new, into life and into something beautiful. The wounds are still on his hands. A lot of us get confused about this. It's a redemption and not a reversal. And so we, in our own lives, seek reversals instead of seeking the redemption that God is offering to us. We think about the hardest moments of our lives. We think about the worst stuff, right? What, what's, this is a baby version of this, but when you're really embarrassed, when you feel like you've said something stupid, one of the things you want, right, is to like melt into the floor. <laughs> but another thing you want is like, if I could just go back in time five minutes and not say that stupid thing, right? If I could just go back and not do that thing that I wish I hadn't done. If I could just go back and not be this person that I wish I wasn't. We have this desire to return to Eden, to return to some imaginary moment of perfect and fine and good and nothing bad. 
But God's not inviting us to that kind of fakery. <laughs> God's not inviting us to that kind of forgetting, that kind of erasure. God is saying to us, I see exactly how crappy it gets. I see exactly how hurtful we are to each other. I see exactly how hard it can be. And all of that, all of that, I am going to take in a bundle. Every cell of you, every cell of this world, every moment of your life, we are going to make that into something new and shiny and beautiful and wondrous and resurrected. There is nothing, there is nothing that can't be redeemed. I find that promise harder, but so much more freeing than the one that it all gets erased. <laughs> because then my life matters. <laughs> what I do with it matters. I'm not just sitting here waiting for death or a second coming when a slate will be wiped clean. I'm not just waiting for it all to be over so that it all can be fixed. What we do here has weight. It has meaning. It's going to be a part of us forever, and the parts that are hard are going to be made better, and the parts that are joyful are going to stick around. Because that's how extraordinary resurrection power is, that it makes things we could never imagine, and it makes things more joyful than we want to believe. It seems impossible, and it is. Like, this is just a miracle, right? There's something about Easter where we're not going to explain it in words. We're not going to prove it to each other. But I know it. I know it in my body and in my soul because of what I've seen and because of what I've experienced. And I hope that you do or that you will, too. I know it because I've seen people who were in the throes of addiction, right? Like, just so captured by alcohol or heroin or sex or whatever it was that drove them to destruction of themselves, be freed of that and be able to live again. That has happened in our world. It doesn't happen every time, but it's happened, and that's a miracle. I've, I've seen people on their deathbeds, family relationships, right? Those fights in your family, maybe your family's less messed up than mine or than some others, right? But those fights that we thought would never, ever be reconciled. Those conflicts that we thought were gonna just go to the grave. And somehow people find a way. They find a way to find love through that, to make it better. Resurrection is real and we see it. Not all the time, but enough of the time. There are enough glimpses that we can hang on to that hope and continue to try and build it in the world. I see it not just in the emotional recoveries, in the spiritual growth that we experience, but in the very nature that surrounds us. There's a reason that we're in the wilderness today. Some of you may have wondered, why is that really weird, dirty thing on the altar table? <laughs> um, have you all seen an Easter lily? You've seen an Easter lily, right? So an Easter lily is giant. It's huge. It's shiny, and it's beautiful, and it's ordered, right? The, the petals come out symmetrically. All of that comes from this. All of that comes from this, hanging out with dirt and water and air and making something extraordinary from something small and from something dirty and from something where by looking at this, you would never imagine. You would never imagine that lilies are what come out of it. 
we make this mistake where we think that what the resurrection teaches us is that we no longer have to be afraid of dying. But it's so much more than that because it means that we no longer have to be afraid of living. The guards were so captured in their fear, right? They were not resurrection people. They were afraid of dying. They were afraid of new things. They were afraid of surprise that they could no longer think or move or act or engage with the world because they were so afraid. Mary and Mary knew that they might die, right? It wasn't that resurrection had taken away the idea of risk in their life, but it had removed their fear so that they could no longer be afraid of living either. They went forward living their values. They went forward loving each other. They went forward loving the man who had taught them about what true love looks like. They weren't afraid of living, and we don't have to be either, because there are things that are so much worse than death, and there are things that are so much better for us in life. Some of you know Oscar Romero, um, the uh, priest in El Salvador, who uh, during a time of great oppression and destruction and pain for his people, continued to preach about what the kingdom looks like, right? About what God was doing in the world and about what God could do in us and with us and for us. And um, it led to him being threatened to be murdered, uh, just as Jesus was. Um, by various military or uh, other forces over and over again. And somebody asked him about it once. And he said, I have frequently been threatened with death. I must say that as a Christian, I do not believe in death, but in resurrection. If they kill me, I will rise in the Salvadoran people. I'm not boasting. I say it with the greatest humility. I am bound by divine command to give my life for those whom I love, and that includes all Salvadorans, even those who are going to kill me. Even those who are going to kill me. When we're not afraid of death, we have to take that second step to not be afraid of life and to live it as if what is true is true. that God cares about all of it, that God sees all of it, that God sees our pain and our joy and wants to redeem it into something beautiful and extraordinary together with us in community. We are bulbs, but we will yet be flowers. A lot of you will look for eggs today, and the eggs are fun because they can hold candy, (laughs) but eggs are also extraordinary because of what they become when they hatch. And that's in all of us, it's in the world, this potential to be kingdom, this potential to be more, to be loved in spite of what has happened to us, in spite of what we have done. And sometimes because of those very things. St. Augustine, um, a great father of the church from the first centuries, said, we are an Easter people and our song is Alleluia. How would you live differently if you didn't believe in death, but you believed in resurrection? If you believed that your life wasn't something to get over or something to get rid of or something to fix or perfect, but something that God saw and said, it's hard and it's beautiful, and I'm here to help you. (laughs) It's hard and it's beautiful, and I'm here to meet you like lightning, to meet you suddenly in the street, and for us to do this redemption work together. There is hope. Things get really bad, but there is hope. And you can see it every time you turn around, and you can be it every time you go somewhere. 
We are an Easter people and our song is Alleluia. The resurrection is our promise, but it also is our call, our vocation. We are Easter people. Let's go out and live like we believe it. Like our lives are something that God has made and something that can be real and something that can be wonderful. We are an Easter people. Let us go sing Alleluia. Amen? Amen. Amen.